Okay, we are continuing this podcast series on the Ten Commandments, and we only have a few commandments left. Today we're moving on to the Eighth Commandment, which is found in Exodus 20.15, which says, You shall not steal. So join us on this episode of the Methodical Methodist Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Methodical Methodist Podcast, a podcast where we talk about why the church is still relevant for us today as we explore themes connected to religion, politics, pop culture, faith, and yes, even the church. Together we can find out what it means to live into the mission of the church by making disciples. Now, let's get methodical. It seems that this eighth commandment, you shall not steal, is closely related to the last two commandments, which are you shall not bear false witness and you shall not covet. In order to steal something, you have to desire it. You have to want it. And when you steal, you often have to lie about it. It's an act of deceit. There's an old story in 1 Kings chapter 20 where we see all three of these commandments being broken, as well as the commandment, you shall not murder. It's a story that many of us may not be familiar with, but but it has a lot to say about our commandment today. Ahab is the king of Israel, and he comes across a lush and rich vineyard in Jezreel, which is located right next to his second palace. He desires this vineyard. I mean, he really wants it. And he begins to think of all the fruit and vegetables that he could have from this garden, all the fruits and vegetables that he could eat from this garden. So he goes to the owner of this vineyard, who is a man named Naboth, and he begins to bargain with the man. He wants to strike a deal. He says, give me your vineyard. I could use it for produce in my kitchen. It's right next to my house. It would be really convenient. And in exchange, I'll give you an even better vineyard, or I'll just give you money for it. Ahab makes this offer, but Naboth finds significant value in the land itself. This land is good and produces good crops, and and there's a real material value in this vineyard, but more importantly, there seems to be a great deal of sentimental value. It has this connection to his family. It's where he grew up. It's his family farm. And, it, and it's hard to give up something that is special to you. There are some things that, that people will never give up for any sum of money, whether it's a special item that reminds you of a loved one or an old picture or even the family farm. There are some things in this world that are truly priceless. But it's more than that. Naboth ultimately invokes the name of God saying, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance that was passed down by my ancestors. This is clearly spelled out in Leviticus 25.23, which says that land in Israel is not to be permanently transferred out of a family because the land ultimately belongs to God. Naboth invokes God because he simply wants to hold on to his family inheritance. There's nothing wrong with Ahab's initial request. He doesn't cross any lines. He doesn't make an unreasonable request. In fact, his offer seems more than fair. He's willing to give him an even bigger farm. And if that doesn't work, Ahab tells him to name his price. But when Naboth refuses to sell, 
Ahab begins to sulk and pout. He begins to act like a petulant child, really. He goes to his bed, he buries his face in his pillow, and he refuses to eat. We get the idea that this is not the most mature king who has ever ruled the kingdom. I mean, can you just picture this little king curled up in his bed? Perhaps you can think of a time when you did this as a child, or perhaps you have a young child who does this from time to time. Ahab pitches this little fit because he is consumed with greed and envy. And so he desires the one thing that he cannot have. This is a man who is lacking nothing. He has at least two palaces. His northern kingdom seat is in Samaria, and he has this second home in Jezreel. He has all the food and wine that he could ever want. He's a powerful king. But he's so hung up on this one piece of land that he cannot have. And then his wife Jezebel enters the scene. And Ahab shares what has happened. Jezebel impatiently says, What kind of king are you? Get up and eat, and I'll take care of this. I'll go out and get this vineyard for you. So Jezebel gets to work. She writes letters using Ahab's signature and stamps them with the official seal. And she sends the letters to the elders in Naboth's city. She has them carry out a plan to bring about false charges against Naboth and have him stoned and killed. And unfortunately, her scheme works. Naboth is wrongfully accused, charged, and killed. Jezebel goes to Ahab with the news, and she says, Okay, Ahab, Naboth is dead. The vineyard is yours if you want it. And Ahab didn't waste any time whatsoever, because the minute he heard that Naboth was dead, Ahab sets out for the vineyard, and he takes this piece of land as his own. There's a sense of entitlement in Ahab's response to hearing the news of Naboth's death. There's no regret. There's no sympathy. There's no contrition. Ahab is just happy because Ahab gets what Ahab wants. Ahab and Jezebel not only stole Naboth's land from him, but they also stole his life. They took land that didn't belong to him, and they took a life that they had no business taking. It's amazing how breaking one commandment often leads to breaking multiple. As we explore this commandment, you shall not steal, most of us can probably think of examples when we stole something, maybe as a child. I've heard numerous stories of kids who stole a pack of gum and their parents forced them to go back to the shop owner and apologize. Children taking a pack of gum is is fairly a small example of stealing. However, as you grow older, stealing becomes much more malicious. People commit larceny, fraud, grand theft auto, and embezzlement, which are all examples of stealing. And when someone steals, we all pay for it. I recently read that merchants estimate that the price of products is raised 2-5% to in order to cover the cost of shoplifting and employee theft. As Martin Luther once said, Stealing is a widespread common vice, but people pay so little attention to it that the matter is entirely out of hand. If all who are thieves, though they are unwilling to admit it, were hanged on the gallows, the world would soon be empty, and there would be a shortage of both hangmen and gallows. There are 
numerous examples of stealing in the Bible, including the story that we just read about, about Naboth's vineyard. But we can also think about how Jacob steals Esau's birthright, and Joseph's freedom is stolen when he is sold into slavery by his brothers. This isn't something that just happened in Israel's history. We can look back on the history of our own nation, and we can see how we are guilty of breaking this commandment in some very serious ways. For example, women have been denied the right to vote and still undergo a pay gap. That's a form of stealing. Slavery and Jim Crow laws have robbed African Americans of their dignity, denying them the right to vote, forcibly segregating them in neighborhoods and schools, and robbing them of justice. Americans have robbed Native Americans of their land and forced them to walk the Trail of Tears, where many of them died due to disease and poor medical treatment. For centuries, we have taken what doesn't belong to us. This is a big issue because stealing isn't just a sin against our fellow neighbors, but it's a sin against God. As Psalm 24:1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. When we take from others, we are essentially taking from God. When we steal, we are saying that we don't trust that God will provide. Furthermore, stealing goes against loving our neighbors. When we take from others, then we fail to recognize the person that is affected. We have to ask the question, how does my taking this affect my neighbor? There are various ways to steal something, and it doesn't always have to do with taking actual stuff. So maybe you've never stolen material possessions, but is, is it possible that maybe you've stolen someone's happiness? Have you taken away someone's joy in the way that you've treated them? One theologian says, The one who robs loses only earthly goods. The thief loses so much more. The thief robs themselves of self-decency, respect, and character. I think that's such a great thought, but I, I also think it goes deeper than that. The person who is robbed can be robbed of their possessions, but they can also be robbed, as I said, of their joy. They can be robbed of their sense of security. They can be robbed of their ability to trust others. I think the thief often does more damage than they realize. There's a great story of an English evangelist named J. John who spoke in Liverpool, England on the commandment, You shall not steal. And the results of his preaching were dramatic. An article about the story says that Conscience-stricken people handed in large quantities of things that they had stolen in the past. These people brought in all sorts of stolen goods, which included hotel towels, hospital crutches, library books, CDs, videotapes, computers, shovels, and even cash. There were also several letters of confession. The items were left in a large special container at the Anglican Cathedral in Liverpool. They did all this after hearing John Jay preach on this commandment, and he urged them to repent. John Jay said, Stealing any item, however small, is wrong. The commandment doesn't say, Don't steal over one pound at a time. I I like this story because it offers a great example of how we can sometimes turn things around. We can come back from our mistakes and failures. 
but I think that we can do more than just returning what we have taken. Being a Christian is more than just not stealing something. We can also freely give some of what we already have. Rudyard Kipling once addressed a graduating medical school class of McGill University, and this is what he said. You'll go from here, and very likely, you'll make a lot of money. One day you'll meet someone for whom that means very little. Then you will know how poor you are. Perhaps Kipling is on to something. It's not just about not stealing, but it's about seeing the needs of others and fulfilling those needs. It's about realizing that just because you have everything you need, much like King Ahab, it doesn't make you truly happy. There's always going to be something else you just have to have. Christians have the opportunity to take this commandment a step further by living generous lives as we seek to do what God has called us to do. I like what St. Basil once said, When someone steals a man's clothes, we call him a thief. Shouldn't we give the same name to one who could clothe the naked and does not? Ellsworth Callis tells of a 17-year-old girl who gave a kidney to her mother. She did this to show her mother that she loved and cared for her. The young girl put herself through surgery and pain. Callis notes that even though she was still recovering from the surgery, she looked jubilant. There's power in giving instead of taking, because generosity requires us to give of ourselves. By doing this, we enrich the lives of those around us. This story about King Ahab concludes with the prophet Elijah calling Ahab to account. Ahab probably thought he had gotten away with it, but the one who had Naboth falsely accused is now being accused himself. The prophet Elijah essentially says, You may think you got away with this, but God knows what you did. God knows you have murdered. God knows you have stolen. We remember that God offers this commandment as a way to ensure that we refrain from taking advantage of our neighbors. But how can we take it a step further and find ways to reach out in love and generosity? How can we give instead of take? How can we live up to this commandment and care for those in need? We can love our neighbors by giving freely and generously to those in need. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Methodical Methodist Podcast. If you have enjoyed this show, I hope you might consider heading on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review of the show. It is very much appreciated. And until next time, stay methodical.